Good morning. I'm Emily Reese. And on Fridays, we are so happy to have Matt Gundrum here to talk to us about the Twin Cities restaurant scene. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for being here. Yeah, so I'm I'm very excited to have Chef Doug Flicker on the show today. You may know him from his current venture, ventures at Esker Grove and Bullshorn or his past work with Ariga and Piccolo. And with those spots, he's made quite a name for himself. And it's a pleasure to have him in. How's it going, Doug? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. So I I always like to start this first segment with your with background. So let's get right into that. And let's start at the very, 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 man, that's very a long time ago. Very beginning. <laughs> so so you graduate high school in eighty five and during that time, you know, I, I've read that you've said that, you know, in that period of your life not much ambition, not really knowing. Zero ambition. Right, not really. Well, no good ambitions. Right, not knowing what you want to do, but all of a sudden your sister's cool white jacket wearing boyfriend comes into the picture and he kind of gives you an opportunity to join what eventually becomes a legendary institution for Absolutely. the Twin Cities, uh, D'Amico uh, Cochina. Yeah. So yeah. tell me more about your time there and how that impacted you. For sure. So uh I kind of came to town right around the time that D'Amico's did. Um, so they were uh, doing catering. It was D'Amico catering in the Atrium Cafe. Um, and again, uh, luckily my sister started shacking up with a chef. Um, so at one point I was told just to kind of show up at this restaurant. I had no idea what it was going to be or why. I was just like, you know, you show up here. And I did. Uh, and it was amazingly fateful. So it was this incredible restaurant, um, groundbreaking uh, there was a group of people there that were just amazing. They were like gods. And then for the first time in my life, I found this place where people were listening to alternative music and had alternative thoughts. And like, it was the restaurant business, right? It was like the late eighties and people were doing, you know, drugs and everyone was hooking up and it was this crazy playground. Um, and people were doing cool things. And, and I think I started getting into cooking and like, I would get, re you know, people would be like, Oh, this is really tasty. And for kind of the first time, I was getting all this positive reinforcement. And I just ate it up. Right. Um, so, you know, um, so, you know, again, I think I fell in love with the restaurant business and the restaurant people, like they were my people. Um, and then in a little bit of time, then all of a sudden, like, you know, the food caught up, like the love of food and what an amazing thing that was and is. Right. Tell, tell me about that transition period then from uh, Kuchina to Araiga, because cool. in 96, yeah. you opened up Araiga, and that ended up being a big deal itself. Yeah. So, you know, at Kuchina, I, you know, I started out as a so I was tossing salads and making pizzas, and in a certain period of time, all of a sudden, I was sous chef. And then when the chef decided to leave, you know, Larry sat me down and offered me the job. And, you know, I don't know if I was necessarily his first choice. I was 23 years old and, you know, this was an incredible restaurant. And I think for him to hand me the keys uh, was a risk. Um, so, you know, I worked my butt off and committed and, um, and it was an incredible experience. It, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But, you know, when I got to the point where I realized, like, if I don't leave this restaurant and the D'Amico's, I'll work for them forever. Uh, and that's not what I wanted to do. So... I just one day decided, you know, I would give my notice and kind of jump off the ledge. Um, so I spent a little bit of time uh, working uh, uh, at a place called the Loring Cafe and another table of contents uh, until I kind of met the right people. And the time came to open my first restaurant, uh, which was Raga. Right. And it was more of a it was definitely more of a chef collective where, where the sh it was the chef and, and the customer. It was that direct through line Absolutely. there. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, wh what inspired that? Were you 
sick and tired of everything in between those two entities or kind of yeah i mean i you know i was young and full of rage and thought i knew better than everyone else so like i could never f- i needed to find a job where i could do what i wanted to do when i wanted to do it so the simple answer to that seemed like opening a restaurant and be my own boss in air quotes um which for the most part is true i mean you you always you know, have a bank that you have to answer to or a landlord. So, you know, it's never as simple as you're your own boss. Um, so, I mean, kind of working at the Lorien at that time, it was this weird kind of uh, game-changing time where people started listening to chefs. So we started kind of doing, uh, people would come in and you would cook for them. So you'd kind of do an impromptu tasting menu for them before there was any structured tasting menus. Uh, and that kind of started to catch on. So, Araga was a time, I mean, we were one of the first chef-owned restaurants. I mean, I think we had, there was Lucia's in town and Brenda's. Uh, but we were really, really, really focused on uh, on food. Uh, and, I mean, we were, again, we were one of the first chef-driven restaurants. When people would come and they would, you know, we, we took charge. Where instead of you listening to what the customer wanted, the rules kind of got reversed and, and customers kind of started catching on that, like I should probably eat what the chef wants to cook. So I think that was kind of the start of that. Right. And that, and that chef driven phenomenon ended up kind of becoming a trend. So in a way, a ride goes a little bit before it's time. Yeah. Very much regard. so. Very much so. Yeah. Well, uh, pleasure talking to Doug. We'll get on with him again in just a little bit here to talk more about what he's been up to. Uh, it is Friday. We are happy to welcome Matt Gundrum here to talk about the restaurant scene in the Twin Cities. And he's got a special guest. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. How are you doing? Great. Great, great. So, yeah, we are here with Doug Flicker this morning, a Minneapolis chef who's made a name for himself with restaurants like Piccolo and Araiga. But now we're going to talk about his current ventures. But before we get into that really quick, I want to revisit what he's done in the past and mention one more spot that we didn't get to, which was Piccolo that was opened in 2010. That was uh, an elegant, small and innovative tasting menu restaurant. And a lot of people loved the spot. I mean, Star Tribune gave it a four out of four. Even Anthony Bourdain came in during his show and loved it. And for me personally, Remains to be one of the—I mean—one of the best meals I've ever had in the Twin Cities. When my girlfriend and I, Shannon, stopped there in 2016, and we couldn't afford our own tasting menu, so we had to just order for one and split. But even so, it was so memorable and so delicious, and uh, it really crushed us in the community when it closed. But it sounded like that place was just too demanding. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think uh, uh, everything has a, a shelf life. Everything has a life cycle. So. Uh, uh, Piccolo was meant to uh, be experimental and push boundaries. Uh, and we were starting to get to the point where I think we were kind of starting to repeat ourselves. Um, and, you know, as, as life got more complicated and, and stuff like that, it was just harder and harder for me to uh, give 100%. So we opened Sandcastle in, I think, 2012. Um, that was taking time. You know, things were just starting to pull me away. Uh, so uh, we had a couple of really great guys working with us, uh, Cameron and Grisha, uh, my wife and I own the building. So, you know, we had kind of talked about them taking over basically. Uh, so, you know, the opportunity to um, give a couple young cooks an opportunity that was given to me uh, was 
an amazing opportunity. So, right. uh, so Piccolo closed, uh, a tenant opened. Um, so yeah, that was a, a chapter, an end of a chapter. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're associated with three spots right now, Sandcastle, kind of that beachside eatery on Lake Nokomis, Esker Grove attached to the Walker Art Center and Bulls Horn Food and Drink, a revived version of Sunrise Inn and your kind of take on the dive bar. Yep. I mean, they're definitely a lot different than from your past work. I mean, what do these locations say about you as a chef right now? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I personally, I mean, I can say that, um, you know, for me, I think I go through cycles. Um, and you know, all my restaurants are very, very personal. They are me and that's it. Um, so, you know, Araga was me during my 30s and Piccolo was me during my 40s. And I think, you know, now Bullshorn is, is me during my 50s. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think food is changing and, and I think being a restaurateur, uh, you have to have more than one place and you have to kind of, you know, it can't just be, you know, Piccolo was an amazing restaurant, but, you know, at 65, it would not support me, you know. So, you know, there are certain realities too about being in this business and, and life and stuff like that. So, right. So tell us a little bit more about <clears throat> Bullshorn in, in South Minneapolis. What was the process like for bringing that to fruition? Um, so, uh, Bullshorn, uh, used to be the sunrise Inn, and that was a, uh, a bar for about 50 years. And it was one of Minneapolis's last three, two dive bars. Um, really classic old school bar. And, and growing up, I had uh, a set of uncles who, owned a restaurant called, or a bar called Flickers Liquors uh, in a small town called Piers, Minnesota. Uh, so I would go there as a kid and, you know, wood bar, lots of paneling, lots of taxidermy, uh, you know, just a small town gathering place. Um, and my original, my uncle Raleigh originally owned it. Um, and I remember they had bologna days on Tuesdays and they would have ring bologna from Thielen's Meat, German, you know, meat market, uh, they'd get fresh baked white bread, uh, again, from a, a German bakery. Uh, and I remember sitting at this table with him and a bunch of his friends, and they're smoking stogies and drinking pitchers of beer and eating ring bologna on white bread. Uh, and it was incredible. It was amazing. you know. And then my uncle sold it to another uncle, and he ran it for about 15 years. So like growing up, we'd always go to Flickers Liquors, and it was just a place to go. Uh, so that was kind of the inspiration, I think, behind bull's horn uh you know it's a beautiful place it, you know the bar uh there are half inch indentations in places where people just sat and whittled away with their finger you know um it's just worn like a nice pair of jeans you know it's just comfortable and classic um you know and and again like i didn't grow up eating foie gras and caviar i that's you know that's something i learned and something that a part of me that wanted to, you know, try things came up with. Uh, I grew up eating cheeseburgers and, you know, French fries and stuff like that. So when I stop and think about it, like, it's like coming home. It's like this point where I'm finally really, really comfortable with who I am and what I like. Uh, I have a love affair with American cheese. Like, that's just plain and simple. Yes. You know, and there was a period in time where, like, when I was at Cucina, like, you did not eat fast food. Like, if you ate a hamburger, you were heathen right <laughs> and you know frozen pizzas what you know and i do i do some consulting work with heggies and they're amazing pizzas and it's an amazing company 
Um, so it's really, I mean, today there's a certain liberation where like you can do what you want to do. You can, you don't have to be ashamed for, you know, going to White Castle. I mean, White Castle, like, you know, you don't eat it every day, but like as a food experience, like White Castle can be as amazing. Well, maybe not as amazing, but it, it has its place <laughs> with going to, you know, 11 Madison Park. White Castle can be pretty memorable. Absolutely. I remember my first time going to White Absolutely. Castle. Absolutely. I mean, you know? I don't know about ever, anyone else, but. Right? <laughs> I remember. There's, a, there's a certain shame involved and, you know, and and you eat six of them and, you know, your third one, you're like, oh my God, these are great. And the sixth one, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to, you know. <laughs> right. right. So, I mean, that's, that's a food experience. And, and, I think, you know, in today's age, we're all open to or should be open to food experiences. Right. Doug Flicker, everyone will be on in a little bit. Thank you. Good morning. Emily Reese here. It's Friday. We're so happy to have Matt Gundrum here to talk to us about the restaurant scene in the Twin Cities. And today, special guest Doug Flicker also here. Welcome to both of you. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. And and thanks for Doug uh, for being here. We're here with Doug Flicker this morning, a Minneapolis chef who's made a name for himself <laughs> with restaurants like Piccolo and Araiga. And let's just hop right into this. You know, I read that each of your biggest ventures were all kind of like reactions to different aspects of the industry. You know, instead of yep. doing what people told you to cook, you started Araiga. And yep. then when people told you not to mess, you know, with innards, you yep. did just that with Piccolo. And yep. when your fans are probably expecting an even higher pinnacle of fine dining after Piccolo, you did the complete opposite and opened Bull's Horn. So, I mean, is this the secret to your success over the years? Are you just constantly doing the opposite of what people want you to do? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's. I think it's a secret to my happiness for sure. Right. Um, I guess I have a bit of an issue with authority and doing what people tell me to do or what people expect. And um, so I've been amazingly lucky to, uh, again, you know, with like Piccolo, uh, to kind of decide that, you know, at the point where we start to repeat ourselves is the time to close a restaurant. I mean, that's pretty amazing to be in that position to be able to do that. So, you know, really, really blessed and lucky. And, you know, I have a ton of people that have been amazingly supportive, both as customers and people in my life, my wife, my, you know, some amazing friends, Eric Anderson, uh, Josh Haberger. I mean, I go on with the list. So, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I think Bullshorn is a reaction to, you know, all that time that I spent with tweezers and reinventing, you know, um, just totally committed on creating something. Um, so, you know, with Bullshorn, we, we, we have this palette, you know, of, again, a, a space that was really classic and, and beautiful. It just needed to be kind of cleaned up. And, you know, I mean, these old wooden barbacks that you just don't see anymore. You know, there's just this sense of age to it that you can't foe, that you can't create with brass or painting or stuff like that. It's just, it's history. Um, so I think that's kind of my, my thing now is is focusing on on history and long-term as opposed to what what's shiny and new, mm -hmm. you know? Um, you know, Piccolo, we had to constantly reinvent ourselves. That was that was the deal, um, and that was that was a blast, and it was amazing. But it's also was very taxing. Um, the commitment, the the time away, the focus away. Um, so with Bullsarn, it's really amazing to, you know, the Piccolo. You would see people on their anniversaries and their birthdays and stuff like that. It was all very special occasion. 
uh, bullshorn. It's just daily life. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the person who, you know, just got off work and wants to have, you know, a beer before going home or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really fascinating to focus and see, you know, the regulars in that sense, as opposed to, you know, we're here for our third time for our third anniversary. Right. Yeah. Like I said, my girlfriend and I went to Piccolo yeah. uh, for our anniversary. And then last week we went to, or this week we went to Bullshorn because it was a Monday. Yeah. So right. Definitely a little bit Cause different. Yeah. Cause there's a meat raffle, you know, right. or, you know, our trades or stuff like that. And that's, you know, they're, they're both really, they're both great. Um, but it's just nice to kind of see the same faces at the same bar stool uh, and see people living their lives like that. Right. What's next for you? You know, I think just expand or, you know, getting better, just, um, you know, I'm kind of my career 30 years, pretty close of cooking. Um, so, you know, we'll see, like I say, I'll never open another restaurant, but you know, I guess you should never say never. Um, but I think at this point it's, it's, it's more about enjoying life with restaurants as opposed to the other way around where the restaurants are the biggest thing. And then you enjoy your life two days a week. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think balance is in incredibly important and I think the restaurant business is changing and, um, and it's really nice to kind of have a group of people that I work with, um, to, to see their lives get better too. Right. This is one question I always like yeah. to ask people when they come in, uh, and one of the reasons why I'm so fascinated with people in this industry is is because it's such a intense and cutthroat industry, especially when you're at the level of, you know, Piccolo. But I mean, what, what keeps you coming back day after day, year after year over the, these past few decades? I mean, what, 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 what's got you hooked about this line of work? Uh, for me, again, it's the, it's the restaurant people and especially kitchen life. Um, you know, it's like a playground. It's you come in, uh, you listen to music, you get to eat what you want, you know, I mean, especially like Piccolo, I could walk through the cooler and, you know, eat some amazing French cheese and then take a bite of caviar or, you know, it was just like this playground and, um, and kitchens are just, you know, they, they can be brutal. Like they're hot. There's a lot of stress, but there's really great people and forming those bonds and those relationships, uh, with people, um, it's just amazing. And I think that's, you know, what gets me up in the morning is that kind of like, you know, who am I going to hang out with today? You know, what world problems are we going to solve? Um, you know, and, and what fun are we going to have right. in between? Yeah. Before we head out here, where do you like to eat? In oh, town? You know, it really, it, it, it depends on the seasons. It depends on my purpose. Um, you know, the, the Grand Cafe, I think is, is one of the city's best restaurants now, most unique. Um, I think Sunday we're he heading to Bellacore. Excellent. Know. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, I, Gavin's I, I, the master. Yeah. I visited Bellacore again with my girlfriend earlier this year and, uh, I had a, a little bit of a spiritual experience with their French onion soup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just you know, amazing. And again, Gavin, you know, Gavin and hospitality and, and his vision, you know, it's when, I like to go to places where I know, you know, people are doing themselves, you yeah. know, like the, you do you and, and the grand cafe is Jamie and, you know, Gavin is Gavin and that shows in spoon and stable and Bellacorn and now Demi, um, you know, grand Szechuan for, for Szechuan food, uh, tofu house for Korean, 
um, you know, it really, Fotal Bay for, for Vietnamese, um, you know, I, I think I tend to gravitate towards places where I know people. Yeah. And then it's kind of the two for one where you get an amazing meal uh, and get to see friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, you know, Matt's bar. I mean, we kind of talked about that, right. you know, Juicy Lucy. Can't go and, wrong. Can't go wrong, you know, and it's a great place. And um, yeah, I mean, we've got so many great restaurants in this city right now. And, we do. And it, it really is kind of crazy. And you can get good food anywhere. Really good food. Yeah, and that's I think why that's, we're doing the show. Yeah, I think that's the biggest change. You know, it's it's no longer just, you know, three people running fine dining restaurants. Yeah. You know. Right. Well, Doug Flicker, everyone, it was a pleasure having Word, you in. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks for having me in. Very, very much a pleasure. Uh, thank you.